Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So this is a difficult passage, so I thought I'd start off with something a little bit humorous. If the disciples were students and Jesus was the professor of the Beatitudes, it would have come off a little bit different. So Jesus takes his disciples, his class, to the top of the mountain, and he gathers them around and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are they who thirst for justice. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. Blessed are you when you suffer. Be glad and rejoice. Your reward is great in heaven. Simon Peter says, are we supposed to write this down? Andrew says, are we supposed to know this? James says, will there be a test on this? Philip says, I don't have any paper. Bartholomew says, do we we have to turn this in? John says, the other disciples didn't have to learn this. Matthew says, can I go to the bathroom? And Judas says, what does this have to do with real life? Then one of the Pharisees who was present asked to see Jesus' lesson plan and inquired of Jesus, where is your syllabus? And Jesus wept. I love that story because, yes, there's going to be a test on this. In fact, that's the title of this sermon. Is there going to be a test on this? And life is the test. Now, I remember when I was a teen and I I gave my heart to Christ, I thought I would be happy all the time. And newer translations actually don't use blessed or blessed. I'm sorry, I'm stuck in blessed because that's the way you sing it in Handel's Messiah. I'm sort of stuck in the blessed zone. But they translated happy. And that's not even really a good translation. It's, it's more of a contentedness, knowing who you are and where you are. And that's the problem. See, in ancient Israel and in Jesus' time and today, we have what I'd like to call a theology of favoritism. If God loves you, then you'll be blessed. And if God doesn't love you, then you won't be blessed. So people who have money and position and power and things must be blessed. But my Bible says God loves everybody. And and I'm sorry, there are pastors today who are looking for verses for prospering and blessing and growing and multiplying. This is not one of those passages. Jesus paints a picture of two groups of people. And the world would call them the losers and the winners. Now, I think that I like calling them losers because the first list of people are people that have lost something where there's an emptiness. They're the poor and the hungry. They're the weeping the hated, the excluded, the reviled, the libeled. They're all somebody who has lost something. And Jesus says their reward is great in heaven. Jesus actually flips the script because in today's world, in our theology of favoritism, this list of people 
would not be on the list of people that are, air quotes, blessed. And what does Jesus say? Their reward is great in heaven. And then he gives us the second list, the list of the winners, the rich, the full, the laughing, the complimented. People say nice things about them. Well, the world would call them the winners. My lips aren't working. The winners. But Jesus would say that they actually had lost something. They were filled with the wrong things. The world would say they were blessed. But I would say that they had a false God and a false hope. They were filled with the wrong thing. I I love the meme that shows up on Facebook every now and again, and it says, why is the world fat? And then they'll put a little sign, because hamburgers sell for a dollar and a salad sells for nine dollars. <laughs> right? If, if, if you look at the quick menu, they're giving away almost the unhealthy food, and they charge double for the healthy food. Well, guess what? It works the same for our lives. We are so ready to grab something that's a quick fix, a quick fill, that we're not looking for the true blessings of God. If you're taking notes, there's two key questions, and these aren't questions I'm going to answer. These are questions you have to answer for yourself. Now, I'm going to say it grammatically correctly so that when Vicki listens to the sermon, she may roll her eyes. I don't know if you've noticed, but I actually correct my own grammar when I speak incorrectly. She's like, why do you do that? I said, because I don't want to be an ill-spoken person. So the first question is this, of what are you full? Or in the vernacular, what are you full of? What, what, <laughs> yeah, really, what? I didn't mean it that way, but here we go, right? What are you, what are you using to fill up that lostness that every human being has? Of what are you full? And the second one is this. For what are you hungry? Now, I didn't have this problem when I had three kids living at home. I have this problem almost every day when it's just Vicki and I. And if that happens to you, just nod knowingly. I get home from work. She's been with the grandkids all day, or perhaps she worked last night, and she's just rolling out of bed. And we have the what do you want for dinner discussion. What do you want? Do you want Chinese? No, I had Chinese yesterday. Do you want a burger? No. And we're, neither one of us wants to cook, and our options where we live are limited. We've only got about five places. You have much more options up here in Cherry Hill. But we're trying to decide, but we're not really hungry for anything. But we know we have to eat because it's dinner time, and one of us is diabetic. Isn't that the way the church is sometimes? Not really hungry for hymns today, or I'm not really hungry for scripture, or what is Doc going to say today? And, and we don't come hungry, and, and I've preached that sermon here a while ago, but my job is to cook the meal, your job is to come hungry. If I cook a delicious meal and you don't come hungry... It goes to waste. And then the people in Sri Lanka get the leftovers. That's, that's the new country we added to our list. I had to look up where Sri Lanka is. It's an island off the coast of India towards the Maldives. 
That's what it said. I still don't know where it is. I have a general idea. Woody Harrelson, you may remember from uh, Cheers and, and, and lots of movies now, he said this, I've been nursing in emptiness far too long. I made a huge mistake by turning my back on religion because I lost my soul in the process. He says, now I am beginning to find a bright new reason for living. He chased after those things that were filling, but like the bubbles, didn't last. And you know, there's people sitting in the pew today saying, there's got to be more to life than this. And I'm here to say, there is. Your two questions are, are what of you full? And what are you hungry for? I get to tell you one of my favorite stories. In fact, Vicki was upset that she wasn't going to be here. She worked last night, and here's the good news. She had no COVID patients this week. There were only three on the floor. The numbers are way down. Praise God. She was back to doing what she's trained to do, which was be an ortho nurse. She had three, she had three knees. She was so happy. I had three knees, right? So here it is. This company, this big company, is experiencing theft, employee theft. So they hire a security firm to come in, and they're going to examine the people going in and going out. And at the end of the day, they've got the metal detectors, and you check the pockets and the bags. And every day, this guy comes with a wheelbarrow full of stuff. And it's junk, and it's trash, and Every day this guy comes and they take a few minutes and they go through and they're like, go ahead. And off he goes with the wheelbarrow full of trash. Finally, the security guard can't take it. He says, come here. He takes him over away from everybody else. He says, I know that there is something going on here. He says, I just can't figure it out. He said, and if you tell me what it is, I promise I won't turn you in. I just need to know what's going on. And the man grins from ear to ear and says, I'm stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> the story has two truths I want you to think about. And this is it. Things may not always be what they seem to be, at least on the outside. I, I got in trouble once for saying this to a group of te teenagers, but I still believe it. Sin is fun. It's not lasting fun. It's not eternal fun. But a lot of teenagers get really upset when they try something that they've been told not to do their whole lives. And they're like, this is fun. And I figured, why don't we get out ahead of this? Why don't we tell them right up front? This is fun, but it's like the bubble. It's going to pop. It's not going to last. Things may not always be what they seem to be on the outside. And the second lesson from this story is this. Don't go looking in the junk and garbage for the obvious answer to the meaning and the essence of life. Folks, we're all digging through the wheelbarrow and we're missing the wheelbarrow. A seeker, a believer, a follower, a traveler on the road of faith realizes what they lack. I want you to hear that again. A seeker, a believer, a follower, a traveler on the road of faith 
realizes what they lack. Everybody in the room, everybody in the world has an emptiness that only God can fill. Now, here's the other side of the coin. A seeker, a believer, a follower, a traveler of faith that is full has settled for something less than God's best. When you meet that Christian who is happily full, I am blessed, they say. They're missing something. There's a hunger that needs, us to, needs to propel us from here to eternity. And if, if you are blessed, praise God for the blessing. But the hunger to share the gospel still has to propel you or you have given up too soon. Harold Olds, one of my favorite old preachers, and his name is Old, so it works well, says there are four quick lessons you can learn from this. And I want you to, to think on these, perhaps write them down. The first one is this, feel the hunger. Now, if you're married, or you are married, and, and you, did you set your alarm early so you could have some snuggle time before you got out of bed? Vicki and I do that. I know that surprises you. And every now and then she'll say, set the alarm early. I want snuggle time. Now, here's the problem. I have to control my eating very carefully because I'm diabetic. And she'll lay with her head on my chest and my stomach talks to her. <laughs> right? It is the op opposite of romance when one of the people's stomach is going, and she'll say, are you hungry? I say, yes, for snuggling. Just ignore it. And it just keeps... And finally, she gets to the point, she says, that's it. We're done. Like, snuggling is over. Go eat something. Feel the hunger. Don't disguise it. Don't ignore it. Let it rise up and make you restless. Lesson number one, feel the hunger. Lesson number two, and we've talked about this. Pastors need to hit this ball as hard as they can. Get acquainted with the answer. Not enough people are diving into God's holy word. Not enough people are participating in worship. Find a small group. Know that your search for God is nothing compared to God's search for you. Go back to where we started. We, in the 21st century, divide the world into people that God favors and people that God doesn't. My Bible says he favors all of us. Jesus died for all of us. The Holy Spirit was sent for all of us. And we just have to grab the gift. Lesson number three may be the most difficult, and that's make the leap of faith. When it's all been said and done, I'd rather take my stand on the promise of Christ than depend on the polemics of cynics. I want to do the faithful thing, even if it seems a little bit crazy or a little bit off. I want to do what God has called me to do. Perhaps like the, uh, the Samaritan woman who said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Make that leap of faith. And the fourth lesson Harold Old says we can learn is live the life. Too many of us are being judged by the way we live from Monday to Saturday, and we're hoping that we get judged on the way we live on Sunday. 
We need to be Christians like my, my time with Christian Endeavor. They say 24-7. This has to be something that becomes a part of you. Let the Holy Spirit help you become what you were created to be. May the spirit of the living fall afresh on you and on me, on the church, until we take off, take on the values of Jesus and the lifestyle of disciples. Are you full or are you falsely full? Are you hungry or are you honestly hungry? And I'm sorry, James. This is the test. Amen.